This year we've been talking about habits that lead to spiritual growth, and we talked about developing a habit of prayer, talked about developing a habit of just really being in the Word, receiving it through reading and Bible study and meditation, and we talked about the habit of worshiping. Today I want to talk to you about something that that very few people think of as a habit, and that's helping others come to know Christ. There are some people that just have a passion for outreach, and they do see it as a habit, and they talk about Christ to their friends, and they think about uh, different ways to make connections and invite people to church. But for most of us, we don't really think of it as, as a habit. In fact, the average Christian today, and I don't have any statistics to back this statement up, but I do have a lifetime of leading churches. And I can tell you, the average Christian today, if they share the gospel with somebody, it's kind of a, it's kind of a mountaintop experience and, and, and not a way of, of living. And yet the passage that we're looking at today tells us that because Christ has made us a new creation, it says, therefore, we are ambassadors. You see, God's desire was not just to reconcile us to him, but after we were reconciled to him, his desire is to use us to help other people to become reconciled to him. Uh, I grew up uh, in uh, the Pigeon Forge area, and if you don't know, uh, there's three things that determines the value of real estate, and that's location, location, and location, right? So where I grew up, they sell land by the square foot. I mean, that's just how it is. Probably it's by the square inch now, but it used to be it was like by the square foot. And I can remember a friend of mine was in real estate, and he was talking about people wanting to move in toward the mountainous areas, especially like bordering the park or view of the park. And he said, that, they said, they're, they're not from here, and, and you know, there's nothing wrong with not being from someplace, but he said, they're not from here. But they move here, they buy land, and they build a cabin, and once they're here, they don't want anyone else to come here. They all want to be the last one through the gate. They don't want any of those people buying any land, building any cabins, cutting down any trees. They all want to be the last one. Well, when it comes to church, uh, it's my true hope that none of us really want to be the last one in. I don't think that many people in our church think, well, I'm glad that I got here, but I hope nobody else comes. It'll be too crowded. I don't think anybody's thinking that. But there's, there's a key difference between people being welcome and people being wanted. And it's one thing to say, I would love to see some other people find the hope that I found, but it's quite another to say, what can I do to help people that I know to find the hope that I found? That's what it means to be an ambassador, that God would use us to impact other people. And the reason that we would talk about this in a series about habits, where we're talking about how bad habits lead to, obviously, the, the, the brown grass represents uh, not good health, and good habits lead to great spiritual health, is because we don't want this to be some bucket list item where we think, one time this year or someday in my life, I'm going to help someone to know Christ. 
but instead, I hope that we might think about how could every day, by the way that I think, the way that I behave, the things that I do, how can I help other people to find what I have found? J.R. Edwards uh, wrote this. He said, faith is not a private wager, but a public risk that Jesus is worthy of trust when no other hope can be trusted. And so when we think about our faith, it may be personal, but it's not private. We were meant to live in a way that other people know about the hope that we have and are drawn to pursue it as well. Think about what the Lord Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, before he ascended into heaven. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now, that should be very encouraging because God did not leave us to do this in our own power. He has given us the Holy Spirit. So he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. You'll be my witnesses. Powerful word there when we think about witness is someone who tells, someone who testifies to what they've seen, heard, and in our case with the Lord Jesus, experienced. And then notice the method. In Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. It would begin where they were, but it would not remain there. They would move out. And so today I want us to look at a passage from 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to look at verses 16 through 21. This was the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16 through 21. And I want to ask you, would you join me in standing as we read this together? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's pray together. Father, I pray today that we might earnestly desire to be your ambassadors in the world. For every person here and every person listening and watching, 
that has found forgiveness of sin. Give us a desire to help others to find it as well. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, Jesus Christ gives us a, a new perspective on, on people. He gives us a new perspective. You know, perspective is how you see things, how you see things. And as Christians, we should no longer look at people the way that the world looks at people. That's what the Bible is very clearly saying here in verse 16 when it says, From now on, therefore, we regard no one. That's talking about how they see people and how they think of people. We regard no one according to the flesh. For though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Uh, so Paul, who, of course, was radically saved when the Lord Jesus appeared to him, Prior to that, Paul had been persecuting the followers of Christ. And so Paul's saying, there was a time in my life that I didn't even look at Jesus in the right way, let alone other people. But now we see people completely different. I don't see people according to the flesh. And so the world, do you think about this, sizes up people by their appearances, by their accomplishments, by their net worth. When I was pastoring in Atlanta, there was a gentleman in my church, and he was very successful. And so one day, coming home from work, he noticed that at the motor home dealership, they, they were obviously having some kind of event. All the doors were open. There was a bunch of people there. It looked like they were giving tours. And he had been thinking about buying a motor home, and so he pulled in. And uh, he got out of uh, his uh, work truck with the, you know, the garbage logo on the side, and he was wearing his work shirt. And uh, he walked in, the salesman came up, and he says, can I help you? He said, yeah. He said, I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to ask about the motorhomes. He says, which one? He says, well, I mean, this is just all of them. I'm just going to kind of find out about the price range. He says, well, 41 footers, half a million, 43 footers, 750. I says, Okay, could, could you tell me a little more about them? Could I, could I look at one? The guy says, uh, I, I'm busy. I got I to gotta check on something else. Just hang on. He leaves. He never comes back. Never comes back. And so the gentleman who could have not only bought a motorhome, he could have bought the motorhome dealership because he didn't work at the company. He owned the company with thousands of customers. He got back in his truck, and I remember he told me, I called him this week and said, Mike, I'm going to tell you your story, and I'm going to make sure I got the details right. And he said, you know, he said, I thought, I wonder if I go home and drive my H1 Hummer back up here, if they would let me look at a motorhome then. Well, that's how the world works, isn't it? We look at people and we size them up. This person thought, this guy can't afford a motorhome. I'm not going to waste my time showing him one. Maybe you've been sized up before. People have looked at how you were dressed or what you were driving or how you spoke. or And they either determined you didn't have any money or you didn't have any class or you didn't have any potential. That's how the world looks at people. I think that when we look at what the Bible teaches us, that we should look at people as God's special creation. Made in his own image people's value 
does not come from what they own, what they look like, or what they possess. For all those things are temporary and are passing away. What separates us from all the rest of creation is that God made us in his own image. The Bible says in Genesis 1.27, speaking about creation, he says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So well, people don't look like they're created in the image of God. Well, that's because there's more to the story. The Bible tells us that man rebelled against God, took on a sinful nature. And so the way that we see the world today is not as God created it, but as sin has left it. And yet God, even when all the world had fallen from his original design, was not ready to give up on us, but he came about with a way to redeem us and to reconcile us. He came up with a way that we could make, he could make us into a new creation. And that's what Paul is speaking about here in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. If we're, if we're in Christ, that's, it's like being in the family. We have put our faith and trust in him. We've been adopted into, into his family. And he makes us into a new creation. We still have our sinful nature and it's a lifelong journey of putting that to death and walking by the Spirit so that we don't gratify the desires of the flesh. But we're, we're a new creation. And God is doing something within us to redeem us. And one of the things that, that needs to be redeemed is our perspective of other people. Even Paul needed that change. He said there was a time in his life he didn't look at Jesus even in the right way. He regarded Jesus according to the flesh, but no longer. And so what does it mean to have this, this new perspective? I think the best way for us to view unbelievers is to see them as pre-Christians. Pre-Christians. That is people who have not yet discovered what we have discovered. It seems that some have become very good at deciding who can and who cannot be saved. Maybe you work with someone or you have a brother-in-law or you have a next-door neighbor that you think, Pastor, if you knew that person, you would realize there are some people that can't be saved. Unfortunately, history would prove you wrong a thousand times over, for we've seen some of the most unlikely people give their life to Christ and be radically changed, finding the same hope and forgiveness that we have found. And when we come to believe in the power of the gospel that it truly can change people's lives and transform them, that gives us the faith to look at the most vile, rancid person and think that could be, that could be my next pastor. This is what the Bible says about the power of the gospel. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. 
I was thinking this week about the story of Denise Matthews. I don't know if you know who that is or not. Uh, but if you had been into to, to rock back in the 80s, you would have known. Her stage name was Vanity. She was discovered by Prince and became a pop star. Her, uh, her biggest uh, hit song when she first went single was, was Nasty Girl. You can just figure out what that's about. In a time when people were still wearing clothes on television, she was wearing lingerie in her music videos. She became famous for dating one famous rock star after another and for wild and crazy parties in which she engaged in all kinds of cocaine abuse. I don't know that anybody was looking at Denise in those days and seeing her as a pre-Christian, but that's exactly what she was. For in 1994, the Lord Jesus radically saved her. She gave up her stage name. She gave up her career. She gave up her old way of life. And until the day she died in 2016, she traveled with evangelists and committed her whole life to sharing her story of how Jesus had changed her life. When we believe in the power of the gospel, it helps us to understand that people can and in many cases will be saved. We can learn to see them, not as the world sees them, but as pre-Christians, people who just not yet found the hope and come to believe in it. So Jesus, he gives us this new perspective on people as he makes us a new creation. He also gives us a new message. Listen to what the Bible would say here in verses 18 through 19 of 2 Corinthians 5. It says, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was not reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So the old message that we had before we were a new creation was that some people were uh, simply not worth our time. Some people had no potential. But the new message that Christ gives us when we become a new creation is that God loved the world so much that he sent his very son to reconcile these people just as we have been reconciled unto him so that not counting their trespasses against them, they might be in Christ. It's a huge responsibility and a great privilege to be entrusted with this message. But yet that's exactly what it says. It says in the second part of verse 19, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. If we think about God's plan to redeem the world and to bring people to himself, it's God's plan. It's not our plan, it's God's plan. God could have carried it out any way that he desired, but yet he chose to entrust this message to us. And so therefore, when we become a new creation, we take on a new mission. 
Denise Matthews, stage name Vanity. Before Christ, her mission was to be rich and famous, to enjoy all kinds of indulgences. But after receiving Christ, her mission was to help others find what she had found. And the very definition of an ambassador is one who speaks and acts on behalf of someone else. And that's exactly what God has called us to. Today, when the United States sends ambassadors around the world, we don't send them to develop foreign policy. We don't send them to make decisions for our nation. We send them to speak on behalf of our government. They, they serve at the pleasure of the president and convey his foreign policy, not theirs. And when Christ called us to be ambassadors, it's, it's his message that we convey. We, we're not creating the message. We're not crafting the message. We're just conveying the message. That's what it means to be an ambassador, to speak on behalf of someone else. Therefore, the Bible says, we are ambassadors for Christ. It's an amazing thing to think that God has chosen to use us, and yet he has. If we read through the Bible, we see many people who were unlikely candidates that God chose. And the Bible doesn't uh, always explain why he chose certain people. In the days of Moses and Aaron, there was Moses who had a speech impediment, and then there was Aaron who apparently was an eloquent speaker according to his brother. But yet it was Moses that God chose to deliver the message. Before that time, when Israel was, was living in captivity and, and fear of the Midianites, I suspect there were many warriors and leaders, but God chose a cowardly farmer named Gideon who was literally hiding, taking care of his crop. And he said to that man, through the angel, he said, O mighty man of valor. Yet Gideon had never done anything in his life to display any valor. But God knew what he was going to call him to and what he was going to do. God has chosen some unlikely people. When God wanted to take the message from outside, from the Jews. He chose a man who was persecuting Christians, a man named Saul. And that's who he chose to be the apostle to the Gentiles. God has chosen all throughout history unlikely people. And in this moment, God has chosen us, all of us who have received forgiveness and been saved by Christ. He has chosen us to be his ambassadors to the world. 
See, Christ's death, it was for our sake. The Bible says in verse 21, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So how is it that we could develop a habit? A habit of being ambassadors for Christ. Well, you know the thing about habits, they're really powerful. And old habits die hard, don't they? When something's been established as a habit in your life, it dies hard. And if you spent a long time before you came to Christ, you spent a long time looking at people as the world sees people, it's, it's going to be a tough habit to break. But you can and must break it. If we believe in the power of the gospel, that God desires to save people, that God has the ability to save people, then we need to look at people. Instead of thinking, that person will never be saved. We need to realize that because of the power and the grace of God, anyone can be saved. And when we believe that anyone can be saved, we won't hesitate to invite anyone. We won't hesitate to share with anyone. And we'll just leave the results to God. We can develop a habit of seeing people not for who they are, but for who they could become if only they found what we have discovered. And that will make us bold in sharing. When we develop that habit, we can also develop a habit of self-consciousness. Being aware that people are watching us. They're, they're watching. This week, uh, my wife and I, we were talking about some different celebrities and um, the life that they live. Just, just dealing with the uh, uh, constant being filmed and just the paparazzi. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a challenge. And a lot of these people make an extraordinary amount of money. And sometimes people say, well, what in the world would you do with all that money? Well, I'll tell you what they do with a lot of it. They hire a whole team of security guards to try to create a little bit of privacy. Because everything they do is being photographed and filmed and will be broadcast. If anything is discovered that might embarrass them or look bad anywhere, just sell anything. And so they, they become aware of that. They become aware. And it changes how they behave. When we become aware that people are looking at us and deciding whether they want to even consider what we claim we have found, we, we need to be aware they're watching everything that we do. They're measuring every word and every attitude. And so we want to develop a habit of honoring Christ our life so that instead of potentially maybe driving someone away, we would draw people to him. And while we often speak boldly about sports and politics and our prediction of the weather, we need to learn to speak boldly about the truth of Christ. The people would actually hear the message for if they see good behavior but never hear an explanation for it, 
is much less likely to draw them to Christ. God has called us to be his ambassador. It's a huge privilege, but it's also a great responsibility. But I hope that one day there will be people in heaven because of the impact of our service as God's ambassadors. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you'd help us to be faithful, not just collectively but as, as a church, but, but individually as members of it. To have faith in you, to believe in your power to change people, and to be courageous to share with grace and love so that people might come to faith because of our service. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Today, as we close our service, I want to invite you to respond to the Lord. The very reason that we're here today is to worship the one that gave us life. The Bible says that even though we've all sinned, when Christ came, it was for our sake. He came and he died in our place, making a sacrifice that could cover all of our sins. And what that means is that today, no matter what you've done, no matter how long you've done it, if you were to ask for forgiveness, God would readily give it to you because he has already made payment sufficient to cover your sin. All you have to do is receive it by faith. If you've never done that before, you can pray right where you are. Or if you want help praying, you can just walk up to me at the front. And together we can call on the Lord. And here's what the Bible promises about that. It says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so I want to encourage you today, if you've never made that decision, you're not going to get an unlimited amount of opportunities. So today, while you still can, call on the Lord. And receive forgiveness. For those of us that have become a new creation, we have a new mission. And that's to be Christ's ambassadors in the world. The Christian life is not just about what we can receive. It's about us helping others to find what we have found. And that's what it means to be an ambassador. And so I want to encourage you to search your heart. That maybe there's something that you're doing that would cause people you work with, live with, or near to never listen to you. If that's the case, you need to give that up for the sake of the mission. Maybe you're here today and you just never had a heart for other people. God loves people. And if we're going to become a new creation, we're going to become like him. We've got to develop a heart like him. So whatever you need to do today to be faithful to the Lord, let's do it now as we sing. Let's stand together.